behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Brought to you by Wintrust Bank, Mazda of Orland Park, on ESPN 1000. Chicago's new home of the White Sox. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, the home of the White Sox. I'm Connor McKnight. Got you to 9 until 10 this morning. It'll be a fun edition of White Sox Weekly here. Glad to talk with you as well. We're going to talk White Sox baseball. Of course, it's White Sox Weekly. That's the schedule for us. I, You know, when we get started here, it's that point of the offseason. It's that point where a couple of signings have happened. We've had a couple of moves. There's been some players go and some players leave. I figured let's set the priorities. Let's get things started right away. I, I want to tell you where my priorities for the White Sox might lie over the next month or so. And I want to hear from you as well. Here's the schedule for the show. We're going to talk to Darren Jackson at 935, White Sox analyst on the radio side. Looking forward to talking with DJ. It's been a while since I've seen him. Uh, going to talk with him about a, a handful of things, but mostly what I want to know from DJ is from a former player's perspective. What is it that you could take during this offseason and know for sure about yourself after having played just 60 games for the first time in your career? Such a weird, strange 2020. And then having to, all, all through the winter, try and develop and improve whatever you thought you learned over a really strange 2020 season. So we got Darren Jackson coming up at 935. You're going to hear some sound from new White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz as well. He's got some good stuff uh, about the arms in the rotation. We'll hear about Dylan Cease. We'll hear about Michael Kopech. We'll hear about Garrett Crochet. I I don't know if he's in the rotation necessarily, but we're going to hear about him. Uh, And we're going to hear from James McCann as well. I loved watching James McCann. I really did. And it it wasn't just the talent of the player. It wasn't just, oh, guy comes from, you know, unheralded, pa- well, kind of, you know, former prospecty kind of guy into mm, not so much of a player and then really came onto the scene and found his own and learned how to catch and play defense and develop pitchers and stuff. I know a lot of White Sox fans enjoyed watching James McCann, enjoyed the story and wanted him to stay around even for the 2021 season. That's not going to happen just after White Sox Weekly came down last week. James McCann signed the deal with the Mets. It is a big money deal. So congratulations to James. Like, good on you. Go get that money and set yourself up. But he's going to the Mets, and we'll give the man a farewell because I think he deserves it. Your phone calls, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. You can hit me on Twitter, too. I am at C1McKnight. You want to drop a question there, we'll catch it during the break. We'll bring it up as we go here. My priorities are this. I look back before I start looking forward. And that's to say that, you know, the White Sox have made some changes here. They've, they've rounded out a rotation with Lance Lynn coming in and being part of a top three that looks as strong as, as the top, top threes in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, Adam Eaton is back forming what I imagine is a platoon-ish kind of situation. Platoon light. Uh, maybe it could be you know one guy getting more at-bats than the other. We'll, we'll probably see. But I think it's, it's closer to platoony with Adam Engel and, uh, and Adam Eaton out in right field. So some changes have been made, but I still have some priorities here. 
And for me, like I say, I, I look back before I start looking forward. You look at the last 10 games of the White Sox in 2020. Two and eight over the last 10. I've got the run totals for each game in front of you, but I'm not going to read you 10 straight numbers because like, well, you don't want to listen to 10 straight numbers. Three and a half runs per game over those last 10. And for me, given the offense that that team clearly put together through the first, well, what would it be, 50 games of the season, some of it without Tim Anderson even, that was a much better offense than just three and a half runs per game. So as I set you up here for, for what is out there, Liam Hendricks is the big name still out there free agent-wise. And sure, you know, you sign Liam Hendricks for you know, what I think is going to be a big money deal. That solidifies a bullpen, no doubt about it. You've got your final three, you've got your final four outs, maybe even your final five. Hendricks has been used quite a bit. I don't have to tell White Sox fans about that. We know what he did in the postseason. I thought it was crazy that the A's ran him out there for 45, 50 pitches in game two and felt confident in bringing him back for game three. And then he just kind of showed up and did it, and proved all of us wrong, and that was unfortunate to have to watch. But even still, you know who that guy is, or at least who he has been over the last two seasons. I understand a lot of White Sox fans want that big name at the end of the bullpen to replace Alex Colomay. I get it. Go get your saves. Go lock down the ninth. Have a worry-free kind of inning, at least toward the end, once you've got a handful of runs from an offense that you think is going to you know, rebound and, and, and solidify itself and kind of even itself out, I guess. But for me, I think given the way this offseason sits, given kind of the uncertainties around payrolls, given the uncertainties around you know, what free agents you kind of trust – to continue the 2020 developments or, or struggles that they saw, not knowing what 60 games really means or, or doesn't mean for players here. I, I think I'd rather invest when it comes to the arm side of things. And I'm talking a little bit about the starting rotation here too, but mostly the bullpen. I'd rather invest in a handful. I'd rather kind of diversify the portfolio a little bit because of who's out there. There are some names that stack up with some of the production profile that Liam Hendricks has had over the last two seasons. I, I think maybe if, if you add a handful, a couple, two, you've got a couple of spins of the wheel. You've got a couple of chances to find who that ninth inning guy is. You know, maybe Aaron Bummer coming back and healthy is, is a guy you can trust with the final three outs. Lefty, sure, I get it, but we've seen lefty closers before. I mean, that's it can happen. Glenn Perkins existed for a solid four or five years in Minnesota, right? I, I I think when I look at three and a half runs per game over the last 10 for the White Sox, where they went two and eight and, and had themselves a chance to really clinch up a division, I want some more offense. And as I, I look at the at-bats and the lineup that you could kind of draw out from here, you know, with Anderson and Moncada and Abreu and Aloy and Yasmani Grandal and Luis Robert, you get that. Eaton angle platoon thing you can probably pencil in for something like 550 or maybe even closer to 600 at bats between the two of them. Nick Madrigal playing second base. You've got 400, 500 at bats to hand out to another ball player. There are 
some swingers out there, right? And I think you want something on the left-handed side of the plate, too. I mean, I, I would imagine as Rick Hahn is kind of, you know, going through the Rolodex. Does, there's no way that Rick Hahn actually uses a Rolodex. That is, that is as dated a reference as you could pause. That dude's scrolling through an iPhone or a pad or something like that and finding players. Rick Hahn is not using a Rolodex. If he were, he'd scroll through it and see guys like Michael Brantley or Ryan Braun. or I, I bring these guys up because... If I'm sitting here telling you that I'd like to diversify the portfolio and let the White Sox and Tony La Russa have a whole bunch of options when it comes to the last, you know, six, nine outs of a game from the bullpen side of things, I understand that that means you're not playing at the top end of free agency when it comes to a bat. So for me... I like the idea of going to find that extra offense. Michael Brantley's been terrific over the last couple of years. Ryan Braun, you could take a swing at that guy and DH him. The interesting thing here to me is, and I know Sox fans are, are, have looked at this guy for, for the last little bit here, is, is Andrew Vaughn. And I understand that, that your top prospect in the system like that. And actually, uh, Fangraphs just came out with the White Sox top 32 in the system like late last night. I just got very late and read the whole thing. Andrew Vaughn's number one. Andrew Vaughn's number one everywhere you look on White Sox prospect rankings. Andrew Vaughn is a darn good looking hitter. But I, I don't know what minor leaguers you can truly trust. In their development, considering so many of them, well, for the White Sox anyway, spent time in Schaumburg and weren't facing major league, well, they weren't facing really any kind of live pitching at all. Teams did the best they could trying to get some live-ish fire going at their hitters and trying to learn things. But, you know, with a, with a guy like Vaughn, who's, you know, a developed first base prospect coming out of college, uh, an advanced bat, you'd call him, in, in the draft, you start to go, okay, how much, how much do I really want to put on him right away? How, how much rushing Andrew Vaughn, not, not that the White Sox are going to rush, they've been patient before, not on the pitching side, they've, they've liked to push their talented arms there. But in terms of the, the offensive side, they've been patient about when those guys come up. But how much do you really want to rush a guy just because you have this spot for a win-now ball club? Again, this is a point where I, I like the idea of, of playing around with some options and finding some lefty bats that have established themselves before. The White Sox announced themselves as a team that wants to win right now with the signing of the manager, with the trade for Lance Lynn, going to get an old friend in Adam Eaton. These are all moves that fix or at least address the issues that hit them in the last 10 games of 2020. Those are win now, I'm going to get my ball games now kind of moves. So I'd say follow it up with a handful of more win now moves. And I guess if the, if the worst thing you could imagine, if from my perspective, you know, as I'm setting this up, if the worst thing you can imagine is the White Sox getting to top dollar on the top closer on the marketplace and going to something like four years, 50 million what is that like 12 and a half a year for you know, i shouldn't do math on air yeah 12 and a half a year on liam hendrix then then that's not a terrible thing that's that's just it's not a bad thing there's a bunch of teams that would love to have liam hendrix in the fold and indeed like those those rumors are popping up right now even the dodgers well i mean they have they have money coming out of their ears they don't they don't mind where they're spending things but everybody's in on liam hendrix i 
I think where I'd like to see my priorities, or where I'd set my priorities, were I the guy, I'd, I'd start looking at bats. I, I think I want more offense for this team. Because as we've seen... As we've seen the, the kind of the expected development of, of some of the off, young offensive players, like Luis Robert, like Nick Madrigal, like, I mean, e- even to a certain degree, Aloy Jimenez, though we didn't see necessarily some of the step backs in 2020 that we had in, in 2019, you, you start to look at what is possible, but you also have to, I guess, think pretty clearly about what happens when you know a young player in Luis Robert takes his second run through the big leagues and maybe hits a string of strikeouts a little bit like he did in the when he was last 10 games 20 games or so. I mean there was a month there where Luis Robert really wasn't the guy that he was over the first 30 games of the season. And I think you want to protect yourself from that. And it's not just because you know you can pump up a couple of more runs and make sure you've got uh, a three, four, five-run lead into the ninth, and then you can you know, take your pick of, I don't know, Garrett Crochet or Aaron Bummer or Matt Foster or Cody Hoyer. I, you know, all these arms that you've got in the back of the pen that developed really well last season. That helps. But also because I, I, don't, want, I don't want any one of these young players hitting this win-now season feeling more pressure than they ought to. Now, I... I get that that could even sound somewhat foolish, knowing that Luis Robert entered the 2020 season, knowing that the weight of the world is right. Like, he's got the contract. He's the center fielder. He's that guy. He's one of the top prospects in baseball as he enters. So, Connor, he handled pressure. He's got to be fine. That's true. That doesn't mean I wouldn't want to, like, relieve some of it if I can. Supplement the offense in other places. Uh, Another thing I like with with how this offseason can look and has looked already with Adam Eaton is mixing in some different types of swings. Having a little bit more contact involved. When Adam Eaton was really good in 16 and 17 for the White Sox, I watched it. The walk rate was 8, 9, 10%. Patient guy, a lot of contact. I, I like where that went and I like kind of, I don't know, diversifying a little bit when it comes to my priorities over the next month or so for the Chicago White Sox. We'll see where they put theirs. And certainly they've got a team that can go ahead and win an AL Central, especially with what I think is coming in Cleveland, what a lot of people think is coming in Cleveland. I want to get your priorities as well. Where are you setting things down here as we hit the holidays? 312-332-3776 is the phone number. Let's head out there take one before the break. It's uh, Rufus in Naperville. What's up, Rufus? Hey, how's it going? Hey, man. Hey, um, yeah, man, thanks for taking my call. I'm a Sox nut since disco demo night, but I I really like Bummer and Hoyer. I love Hoyer, man. He he just looks, the guy looks like a closer, and I've, uh, um, I think the Sox, I would like this. If I'm not sure about that Vaughn. I'm, I'm really not. So I would think about trading Vaughn, maybe Foster, and maybe Zach Birdie to get that Andrew Miller and have that another lefty in the bullpen that can either close or be the setup man. Rufus, were you at Disco Demolition Night? Oh, yeah. I was just, honestly summer after seventh grade. Were you I actually bro- there? Oh, no, I was Come there, clean. yeah. Come I clean. Be a- honest with me. Be true. If not, for do it for me. Oh, I could tell you anything about it. I brought a Sean Cassidy album. I took it from my sister. Got in for, <laughs> 90, got in for 98 cents. And there were seven of us, and we bought we brought a John Travolta doll from Saturday Night Fever. It was only six inches in length, 
but we soaked its hair in gasoline and we lit that on fire too. And out of out of out of the six of us, only one of us landed in prison. The five of us that's did okay a, in life. Rufus, that's a good disco demolition night. That's that's well, fantastic. Appreciate the call, my man. <laughs> I the reason I ask is because I when I talked to Steve Dahl about disco demolition night, the his story was everybody was there. Everybody I've ever met was there, and if that were true, the whole place would have overfilled by whatever. I listen. I get that you want uh, a dynamic lefty with multiple inning capabilities and the track record that Andrew Miller has had, but you are not moving your top draft pick, the guy that you can dream a franchise on in Andrew Vaughn, and then a couple of bullpen arms that are cost-controlled and breathe fire from innings 7, 8, to 9 for a dude that used to. And I, I... I understand you're wanting to go grab the track record. Listen, we're all about the win. At least, you know, we've been talking about the win now here as we're setting up the start of White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. But I don't know that moving Andrew Vaughn for a 33-plus-year-old reliever and pieces is the kind of thing that I'm looking to go do. If, if you want to go dance in the, I don't know, in the Blake Snell trade rumors for, for guys like that, for names like that, if you want to go get into, you know, if you drop the names and then want to go talk about Sonny Gray because we've heard rumors about the Reds maybe being open to moving, moving a guy like that, okay, I'm here to listen, but I'm not doing all that for a, a reliever. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. When we get back, we're going to hear from Ethan Katz, brand-new White Sox pitching coach. We'll talk a little bit about the rotation and the possibilities for just how good they could get in 2021. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. The new home of the White Sox. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Pumped indeed. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, the brand new home of the Chicago White Sox. Happy to have you up until 10 o'clock. Darren Jackson, White Sox radio analyst, is going to join us uh, at 935. Some time for phone calls, though. 312-332-3776. That's the number. Want to talk White Sox with you. I've been setting my priorities over the next month or so. You know, just kind of where, where I think things come next for the White Sox during the offseason. I mean, shoot, it's, it's hot stove season. This is what you do, right? I mean, this is these are the things that baseball fans use to get through the holidays, and especially in this holiday season where everything is so irregular. I, you know, you just kind of dive into, you know, like MLB trade rumors or baseball reference and kind of disappear for days at a time. It's fine. It's absolutely, listen, you've done worse things in 2020, just kind of like disappearing into the ether. Uh, Bury yourself in some baseball love. It's better for you. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Tom called it. Tom's on White Sox Weekly. What's up, Tom? Always a pleasure, Connor. I'm so glad that you're back on the air. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Uh, I just wanted to express uh, my feelings, and I think I express the feelings of, of many, if not most, uh, White Sox fans, how absolutely sick I am that Rick Hahn had signed Grandal after he had re-signed uh, James McCann for $5.4 million. Mm-hmm. McCann, just a fabulous player, a generational player, <laughs> uh very intelligent, uh, like I was telling your uh, screener. 
I had watched a uh, video uh, yesterday of Sandy Alderson, Jared Porter, you know, the president, and sure. the new general manager of the Mets, yeah. and uh, James McCann, and how intelligent and how smart He's he's the best I think in all of baseball as far as being analytical, and yet uh, he improved himself so much. And here we even at forty million dollars, yeah. If we could have moved Rondell, which you know in the you know in the pandemic, how the heck are you going to move somebody that you signed for way over what he's worth? Wow, you know. And we signed him because he's a pitch framer and because he's, he was a switch hitter. Give me a break. You know, it's just like, uh, I just don't believe it. Anyway, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I think that uh, other people have the same same take on sure. it. No, I, I hear I'm you. I'm just sick about it. Tom, I appreciate you. I love you, my man. I Listen, calling James McCann generational is something that happens at 9.25 in the morning. Uh, but that's okay. Like, I... James McCann is a is a really fun story. And actually, I, I want to do my little, you know, kind of goodbye to, to James McCann. I, I feel I don't I didn't get a chance to get into the clubhouse and, and really get to know James McCann. I, I knew the team a little bit in 16 and 17, obviously. Um, but I really I really liked hearing what I did from James McCann over his time with the White Sox. And Tom's right. You know, I, I watched the press conference, well, the Zoom press conference I get with with Alderson and with Porter and with McCann when he signed with the Mets. But this was this was what was supposed to happen, I guess, in a really important way for James McCann. He did not succeed with the Tigers the way that they had hoped, the way that he had hoped, obviously. The White Sox took a flyer on him in seeing some things underneath his game that they could coax out of it, that he was willing to adjust as well, because, you know, it takes two to tango. But then you've got this, this match between McCann's brain and Giolito's, you know, you've got this kind of, you know, development curve that helps get adjusted and, and skyrocketed because of, I shouldn't say skyrocketed, that's a little much, that's close to saying generational, but it, it helps. Still, Yasmani Grandal is one of the best catchers in baseball. And I think, too, when, when you hear him talked about in terms of how he regards his pitchers, how his pitchers regard him, the pitch framing, and he's not just a pitch framer. The switch hitting, and he's not just a switch hitter. There's pop, there's power. He got off to a tough start in 2020, first 20, 25 games or so. Last half, solid. The guy you paid for, the guy you wanted. And truly, I, I think if there is a, you know, this this whole beginning to White Sox Weekly Day is about setting your priorities and and keeping in mind that the White Sox are looking through the lens of, Let's go win. Like, let's go. Let's go win a lot of ball games. Let's go chase down an AL Central title. Then this is a season where you expect Yasmani Grandal to catch 130 games. To, to play in a 140, I think. He's got the first base, first base and DH thing that I'll spell some time there. But you are now pushing. And I think that means you, you lean on some of the most talented players on this roster to help you get there. That's maybe the most important thing, is leaning on guys like Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson, Yoan Mankata, assuming you know he's healthy and, and ready to be leaned on. You don't want to push, you know, given his, 
given the season he had coming off of COVID, the, the leg issues that kind of crept up. Well, I shouldn't say crept up, but like just kind of nod at him a little bit all year. Don't push a guy past a breaking point. But with guys that have been steady and, and you know, just horses, let's go. This is the time. This is when you go provide and let the younger core kind of rise up to meet you, I think. 312-332-3776. Appreciate Tom. It does, it's going to push the schedule around a little bit. We got Darren Jackson coming up in just a couple of minutes. We will take your phone calls on the other side of DJ. And I do want to get to this sound from Ethan Katz. It's good stuff. Chuck Garfine had Ethan on the White Sox uh, talk podcast on NBC Sports Chicago. And Chuck is a, Chuck is a gem. So he's great, and we're going to play some of the audio that he got with Ethan. I, I will also, I want to do the, the, the proper goodbye, the, the, the thank you, James McCann, in the last segment of the show as well. You'll hear from James and what I think uh, potentially about his future and the way things are going. But we're going to talk to Darren Jackson, White Sox radio analyst, next. We're going to get his perspective on what 2020 was for players, what this offseason might look like, I guess, and a bunch of other fun stuff, too. You have White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports is the new home, the new home of the White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight, and you're listening to the brand new home of the Chicago White Sox. Head out to the phone lines now. A familiar voice, a good man, and thorough. Darren Jackson, radio analyst for White Sox Radio, joins White Sox Weekly right now. DJ, what's up, man? How you living? I'm doing well, Connor. How about yourself? It's good to hear your voice, and uh, it's good to be back on the air. It seems like it's been a while since the season ended, and I've got a chance to really, you know, get back into the swing of things. So this is a perfect time to do it. Yeah, it's it's cool. I feel the exact same way. Uh, nice talking a little baseball on a Saturday morning. Good having you on. You know, DJ, I'm thinking back to when you and I talked a lot of outfield play um, back when I was at the ballpark quite a bit, and I we, we talked a lot about development. And and if you remember, we talked a lot about Adam Eaton and his switch from center to right. And I was just real curious about what it is that that made him kind of elevate his defensive game from there. So in that vein of things, I want to ask, from your perspective, given how strange 2020 was for literally everybody, what sorts of developments in a player's game do you think guys can count on and take to the bank. They're like, I got this. I got better at this because of this season. And which do you think aren't, you know, maybe, maybe not so solid because 2020 was what it was. <laughs> well, there's a lot going on in that, that statement and those questions, but um, you know, to elevate your game in, in a short season to me, it, it just, the impetus is there. You, it's like, it all counts now. We don't have time to waste. It kind of, it kind of makes you feel like you're in a playoff push right from the first game that you play. So I think you really understand that there's no room for error in a short season like what took place. Somebody like Adam Eaton, when we go back to when we discussed his play back in the day and how, how he fared and right compared to center. And, you know, I talked to Adam back then, and you and I talked about it then, Connor. But um, 
you know, I thought his game was much better in right field. His reaction to the ball, the way he played the game out there in right field, compared to center field, he didn't seem to read the line drives right at him as well because they stay true and straight. And they can't tell if you come in, you go back, you stand your ground so often. And in right field, there's a little curve, a little arc. There's a little tiny tell on what the ball is going to do on the corner positions. And and for me, when it came to his playing right field, he just re- reacted better. And he and he thought he was as good in both places. And I like that he felt he was as good in center field or right field. That was great for him because he wasn't going to say he had a weakness. But it was obvious that his reactions and his play was better out there. You take him, you move him to Washington. He wins a world championship. He's been around these guys that have been tremendous athletes the whole time he's been there, great players. And he brings that experience and knowledge and know-how back. And I think that addition, what he's bringing back from going, coming back, uh, we can't really replace it. I think that's going to help us so much, plus some of the new additions that are with this team now, Connor. Mm. Uh, I, I just think there's so many additions now that just make this team, I mean, truly a team to, to beat in the Central. Darren Jackson on White Sox Weekly here, ESPN 1000. DJ, what was your first reaction when you read the headline, White Sox acquired Lance Lynn? Uh, I was pumped. You know, there was a talk about him coming to us down the stretch last year. And, um, you know, there's those times where I'm going, oh, you know, it's great. It'd be great to have him. But what do we know about his personality? How will he move during the season? How will the guys take to him? Because things I'd heard about him, he's, he's kind of uh, gruff around the edges. You know, he's somebody that uh, – uh, is is in your face and doesn't take any any mess from his teammates and doesn't want to leave the field and how does that bode when you're joining a new team you come in and you're this this gruff guy do you, immediately do they isolate you and say hey don't mess with this guy that's a bad feeling but now you join the team in spring training you're around the guys they get to know you they go okay we see what he's all about he's about winning he's about competing it changes the atmosphere around him he's gonna he's gonna have guys that are similar get around him we already know what he's capable of doing on the field, and that's great. You know he's going to go out there and give you a chance to really have a low-scoring game, win the game. He doesn't give up many runs. Uh, but I think now you you had the element that he's going to fit in right away. Everybody's going to know who he is before the games count, and that changes everything. So I think it's a big, big plus that we picked him up when we did. You don't mind guys with edges. That's what's always kind of, you know, we've talked about that. You don't mind guys which, with edges in a clubhouse as long as, you know, the rest of everyone's edges can line up, right? No, I don't. And the thing about guys in a locker room, you got these cliques, okay? Everybody's one, you got happy go lucky guys over here. You got the, the gamers, you got the, you got the foodies, you got the, the musicians, you got all these different cliques in the locker room. The key is you all got to understand each other and still get along and have friendships and, and and leave everybody to their own business and at the same time get in somebody's face when they're not doing their job and know that they're going to either they're going to fight back or they're going to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to fall in line and I know what I need to do because these guys care about me doing it right. It's such a balance to keep a locker room, you know, cohesive. And that's where I think the team leaders, the players, not the manager, not the coaches, the team leaders have got to go ahead and step in and know how to handle everybody with kid gloves and, and say, all right, all right, yeah, we get it. you got to understand each individual. And I think the guys with the edge, that's great, as long as they're not making guys feel uncomfortable in the locker room where all of a sudden you're walking in, you're looking at this guy, and you're like, oh, great, here we go. This guy's going to start blasting his music, and we don't want to hear it. 
if you don't have that going on or a guy turning the air conditioning down to 40 in the locker room like <laughs> Albert Bell used to do and just, you know, crazy things that are so extreme, you know, if you don't have that going on, guess what? Everybody's pulling the rope on the same side. They don't, they don't have an opposition, and it's a good thing to have that way. Talking with Darren Jackson here on White Sox Weekly. 40 degrees? Albert Bell is a cold locker room guy? Like in yeah, all senses of the not, word? Maybe not 40, but it was extreme, yes. Where there were there were incidents where you know people were basically shattering the air conditioning controllers in there, Perfect. so nobody can mess with them anymore. So yes, you don't need that going on in the locker room. I've seen that stuff before. It divides you. It doesn't unite you. DJ, we're gonna listen to a little bit of sound from Ethan Katz, the uh, new White Sox pitching coach, and he's gonna talk about Michael Kopech uh, when you and I are done talking. But he expects Kopech to be a big contributor in 2021. In your mind. What's key? What's most key for Cats and Kopech working get, working together up until opening day? Well, I think I think Michael's a very you know open guy to to any advancements to get better. So whatever you think Cats can offer, and I think you look at the history already, the success he's had. Um, I think Michael will be open to it. One and uh, the only key that matters with Kopech, in my opinion, from what I've seen when he's healthy, when he's not, is he's just got to be healthy. Get the experience. There's not a whole lot to do. Is his delivery strong? Uh, you know, when he went down to his injury, Connor, I sat there. I go, what? The? I looked at Ed, my partner, Ed Farmer at the time, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and we're going, what the heck are we looking at? This this guy throwing 94 miles an hour. We're yeah. we're hearing he's throwing 102, 101. He's over 100 like it's no big deal. He's reaching back and throwing 94, 93, 92. And then next thing you know, he's leaving the field and he's got he's having elbow surgery. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But here's a guy that was trying to pitch through it way below what he's used to doing. So I can't wait to see him healthy, recovered, throwing without fear, and now getting a pitching coach that can teach him the mentality of how to attack and be efficient. That's, I think, the key, be efficient. Don't just overpower the ball, just outthink the hitters. <laughs> We've seen that happen with uh, Lucas Giolito, and it's worked out pretty well. If Ethan Katz called you up and said, DJ, would you just send a quick text to Dylan Cease and let him know what we're looking for during his offseason, what would you write down? <laughs> I, I would have to say, um, back off. Really? That's what I write down, back off. Um, I think he overthrows. That's That's what I've seen from from him that's why he's up in the zone so much can't command the strike zone i just think he overthrows he's somebody that can average a 97 mile an hour fastball throughout a start um for him he's going to have to figure out if 95 is good enough located 94 and a half on the inside corner outside corner is better i think you just got to tell him to back off because overthrowing and and you can see it's something he fights overthrowing is always up, 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 and everybody just lays off of that. It, it, in the minor leagues, I believe those guys chase those pitches, and he was dominant because of it. In the big leagues, guys are saying, now nah, make him get the ball down, and now it's not effective. What's your season prep with uh, Len Casper been like here over the last couple of weeks? You guys got a long uh, text thread going back and forth. You guys sending memes? Are there emails, chain letters, forwards? Where are we at? i got to be honest with you. That's none of your business, Connor. <laughs> <It's> private. <laughs> 
no, no. Um, Len and I have spoken on several occasions <laughs> and text on several occasions, and we're kind of laying the footwork on how we're going to work out a plan getting into spring training and how we're going to set up a couple of things. Uh, but we already know each other from yeah. all the years that yeah. uh, we've sat in the same booth uh, talking pregame and, and in the hallways at, at Wrigley or at uh, our ballpark or in spring training. I mean, relationships already there and the friendships already there. So, um, you know, right now it's, it's just going to become real interesting to me. I can't wait to get to spend the actual time with him, the hours with him and get to know him and his family. And um, I'm kind of excited about that. Obviously, you know, it, it, it was a traumatic year for, for so many people mm-hmm. losing Ed. Uh, I love working with Andy. Andy and I have become great friends and I, I can't wait to continue our friendship just if he's in Chicago, I'm in Chicago, we're around each other, he and his family. Um, so, you know, there's so much that goes into these partnerships, as you know, and I think Lynn and I are going to just get along great and have a great time. Well, there's a similarity to all those guys you mentioned. There's good people. There's good people who yeah. care about the game and love the game, and it's going to be great to listen to two of you guys uh, do baseball all season long here on ESPN 1000. DJ, really appreciate it, man. Great talking with you. Connor, always well, a pleasure. I can't wait to see you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, man. It's Darren Jackson, right. White Sox radio analyst here on ESPN 1000. I love that guy. And we did, too. I mean, we talked a lot about outfield play. I, I mean, I was, I was a bad baseball player coming up in, in high school and whatnot. But I never did play the outfield because I couldn't read a fly ball for squat. And so, so learning about all, all of those reads and, and how the ball differs, how, how each individual position really is very different. And, yeah, the fact that... You know, a couple of guys can go out there and make left look like center, look like right, and it's just, oh, it's fine. This is no big deal. I'm just going to get out there and do it. That's tremendous. That's an amazing ability to have. Love talking to DJ. Always do. You're going to love hearing him and Len Casper all season long on ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. We'll take up a phone calls. We got back. We got some sound to play from Ethan Katz. I want to give the farewell to Darren Jackson. Your phone calls, though, the most important thing. So you call. You're on. I want to talk White Sox with you. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss something, podcasts are available on the new ESPN Chicago app. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Last couple of minutes here on the show, I have been trying to get to some sound all morning long, but y'all have been calling and asking some fun questions about the 2021 White Sox and appreciate that. Still time to slide one in. 312-332-3776. I was like, I was scribbling on my notepad as we were talking to DJ and then I just, Darren Jackson, he called earlier. Uh, catch the podcast too. DJ's great. I mean, he's just fun to talk baseball with. And I, what I'm saying is I accidentally erased the phone number as I was writing notes about DJ. So that's just, that's how, that's me. That's how you it works. You seem like you have the same note-taking skills as me. Oh, it's, it's, yep. it's chicken scratch. I can't mm-hmm. read anything. And I don't even I know what paper I put I it on. At this point, I don't know why I write things down. Makes if me the, feel better. If the likelihood of me reading it is basically <laughs> zero, why am I even writing it? Ethan Katz, White Sox new pitching coach, was on the uh, White Sox Talk podcast with Chuck Garfine. Chuck's a gem. And I thought White Sox fans would want to hear a handful of these things. Just a couple. Because we've been talking a lot about pitching. I mean, I'd like some more offense on the, on the White Sox in 2021. Just to kind of round things out. 
But pitching's important, too, and there's an availability of bullpen arms. Guys like Archie Bradley, guys like Blake Trinan, you know, guys like Shane Green, if you're into that kind of thing. I Listen, there's guys out there that can fill up some innings for you, but the rotation is as important as anything because the White Sox have so much talent, potential talent, from one through three and then four through I don't know, probably six or so. Michael Kopech's going to be a big topic of conversation all spring long. Ethan Katz, White Sox pitching coach, was asked about the potential for Kopech when you get to that point. He got off the mound last week, um, so he's projecting perfectly to be ready for the season, whenever that may be. Um, And I'm looking for him to be a a big contributor, to be clear honest. So he's doing great. He's great. Our conversations have gone really, really well. He's asking the right questions. He's wanting to know what he can do in bullpen to kind of amplify him. So I told him when that time comes, let's kind of ease into this. But when that time comes, I got a ton of stuff for him that you can kind of use um, to kind of stimulate him to get ready for the season. A couple of things I like there. Perfectly. That's a, it's a good word to hear when it comes to Michael Kopech. Good word to hear when it comes to anybody, especially in 2020. But that's, I, I like where things are at there. I I know that, in the past, the White Sox have shown a, I don't know, penchant, I guess, for, for wanting to push and challenge their highly developed or highly talented arms. And I think that's fine as a, as a philosophy because you've, you've had a, a track record of success in doing so. You've had, for the most part, and I know we're talking about a guy who, who did have Tommy John surgery, but for the most part, you look over the last 15, 20 years, the White Sox are the most healthy pitching staff i'm talking you know uh starters and relievers in all of baseball um with kopech though i i'm okay if he's not you're on the opening day rotation i'm okay if if rick Hahn at some point during spring training you know lets you know that there is still more time more development more runway for kopech to have i don't think that should freak anybody out i think that should be absolutely understandable especially when you look at the <laughs> The incredible potential that Michael Kopech has in the rotation, right? I, I think you could say the same for Dylan Cease. I think you could say the same for, I mean, that's just kind of where these arms have been for a little bit of time. Speaking of Cease, and we talked with Darren Jackson a little bit about Dylan Cease and, and what he would kind of um, advise him, or just like words of wisdom, I guess, that he'd give him over the offseason. And he said, pull back, you know, back off. Katz was asked about Cease and how close that young man is to reaching his ceiling. I, I think he's I think he's very close um, and he's he's been working. So I think he's very close. I have a lot of things, but I also know like I don't want to just like, bam, here's everything. And then like I lose them. Right. So we're kind of working on the delivery right now um, as the main focus to be able to uh, propel his stuff and be consistent. And, and that right now is our main focus. And as he continues to get better and better and he feels good about it, we'll add on another layer and another layer and another layer. And it's just going to keep going and going and going. When when we see a product that everyone's going to be like, that's the guy we've been looking for, I don't have an answer. But I, I'm going to strive to make that happen right away. Slow, steady builds. Slow, steady builds. I get it. I understand it. That's White Sox pitching coach Ethan Katz. He was on Chuck Garfine's podcast, the White Sox Talk podcast. We appreciate them. I just thank you to James McCann. Just well done. Good on you. 
go with God, go win the NL East. Like that's, that's a really good two seasons. And I just quickly, before we leave here on White Sox Weekly, and I truly appreciate Eric Ostrowski, our producer, Darren Jackson for coming in. This is the chance to be here this morning. You look at McCann's profile, right? A guy, former good prospect, struggled a little bit, learned how to hit, understands how to develop pitchers, has the rapport between guys like that. I don't know where McCann's hat heads at toward the end of his playing career, but if you pile all those things together, that's potential manager stuff. I'm not saying maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I have no idea. But if you pile all those checklist things together, those are the kind of guys that manage ball clubs. No idea if McCann's into it or not, but what a heck of a run two years on the Chicago White Sox. That does it for us. Thank you so much for listening to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. This is ESPN 1000.